Greetings, everybody. Alex Simmons here uh, without Chris, because Chris is once again on the road. Uh, he's at a writer's convention, and I know he's going to be coming back with some more interviews because that's just the kind of guy he is. But I've decided to take this one quick moment to say, for those of you who've been listening to the show for the past few months, uh, I'm suppose, I suppose rather that you're more used to uh, the fact that we would post you know, once or twice a week. Uh, but because Chris' last uh, jaunt to the um, Pulp Fest in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, a few weeks ago, he got so many interviews that we decided to give you, as he likes to coin it, a summer of pulp. Right. So we're going to, you know, keep feeding you these uh, interviews with a, a number of good, really good adventure writers and pulp fiction writers um, that Chris has met and just fill the, the, the weeks with this. So don't get used to this happening all the time. But this is definitely one of the things we want to hit you with uh, now and try and get as many of these great interviews in as possible. So this is an interview to a uh, I should say this is uh, an intro to the next interview with. Joe R. Lansdale, one of Chris's favorite writers and certainly a writer that I'm very familiar with. And I hope you guys will find it exciting and interesting to listen to him as well. And know that over the next uh, couple of weeks, we'll be throwing several more interviews with you from the Pulp Fest that Chris attended, as well as a few of our other interviews and episodes. So without further ado, there's that phrase again, Joe R. Lansdale. Hey, this is Chris Ryan for Tell the Damn Story. And yes, we're still at the uh, Pulp Fest, and I have the uh, thrill of interviewing right now the guest of honor at Pulp Fest, Mr. Joe R. Lansdale. How you doing, Joe? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing how, fine. How do you like the Pulp Fest? It's great fun, man. You got all these people here that are really invested in all this stuff. It's great. It's It really feels a lot more like a community than some it of the is. other it's cons very, we go to. I think it very much is, and I think as time goes on, there's certain kinds of uh, fandom that they have and that, that I have, at least this area of our fandom, gets smaller and smaller it does. because the pulps recede. Yes. You know, they came out so long ago. Many of them are no longer available. Even collecting them is uh, harder because uh, they don't hold up very well. That's true. But, you know, I would – and one of the things I've been thinking about this weekend is that you and your work – uh, everything from Bubba Hotep to yeah. Happen Leonard to all the stuff. There's so much that you do. Is kind of maybe if they're looking at it, it's kind of a door back into the future because your stuff is viable and can be picked up anywhere. Mm -hmm. You were just on Sundance for three mm -hmm. seasons with mm -hmm. the great Happen Leonard show. What That's a heartbreak! Right. They, that was short short sighted. Oh, is yeah. Well, <laughs> hopefully and it was their number say, one show. I mean, you know, what you gonna do? You know. Well, well hopefully someone <laughs> will pick it up because it was a great show. Um, but I I think uh, artists such as yourself might be the way to revitalize this, and it's such an important genre. You know, we were yeah. talking about the men's magazine guys, yeah. them reviving. Though it's still great writing. Mm -hmm. um, so that kind of leads us to talk about uh, your work. Like I said, okay. uh, uh, Happen Leonard is, of course, because of Sundance, maybe the most prominent of your work. But you know, at, you have so many different cult followings. Yeah. You know, there's the Pope, uh, the the Bubba Hotep uh, cult, right. the Happen Leonard cult, the driving uh, westerns, the westerns. Oh my God, there's so Happen much. Happen Leonard. So the more mainstream stuff, like the bottoms and stuff. Yeah, yes, the bottoms and uh, the Edge of Darkness. Is uh, that, Edge of Dark Water. Edge of what a great, what a great novel that was. Oh my God. So, 
how did all this happen? You, we, you, we were talking about um, earlier, uh, and and at one of the panels right. you were mentioning that about your father and yeah. uh, and can you talk about that? Yeah, a my, bit? my father he couldn't read or write. And when he got older, he got to where he could kind of dope out the newspaper a little bit and write his name. But my mother was a big reader, and my father because it had been hard on him because he you know couldn't read or write that he had really pushed me to you know be involved in that yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, and yeah, and then my mother was always always had books in the house. And uh, I read nonfiction fiction. I read whatever I could pick up. It might be a popular a novel and it might be a literary novel. Yeah, whatever was there, I would read it. I, I remember I would read cereal boxes and aspirin bottles, anything that, read. yeah. And But but the big, the first big introduction in was actually comic books. Mm -hmm. And I started reading comic books when I was four. I, I could read by the time I was four. And I started reading comic books, and some, one of them that I, I read that came along a little, when I got a little bit older, was Classics Illustrated, or mm -hmm. that I discovered. Sure. And uh, they had all of the classic novels that had been done as comics, and th they were really faithful to them back then. Yes, they were. And they were beautiful art, and uh, I, I read those, and they inspired me to go look up those books. And so though we lived in a place that didn't have a library, it had a bookmobile. Okay. And when that bookmobile came, I would try to find yeah. those Maybe books. first in line. Yeah, plus <laughs> anything that looks science fiction or fantasy or horror-related. Th sure. Those were my big things as a kid, my big go-tos, as well as the, I had discovered Charles Dickens through Classics Illustrated, sure. I, uh, Swiss Family Robinson, mm -hmm. uh, you, certain Mark Twain things like I remember Tom reading Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah, exactly, that one too. Sure, sure. And, uh, and some of the versions that I found were probably abridged or for young right. adults or whatever but they uh, led uh, me appetizer to, yeah right. that led me to read the uh, the full books when I got a little older but I, I, I started reading everything and then a lot of the books that I read though were related to the pulps because when I read uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs those books had all been published in the sure. pulps right, right you know and so I was influenced heavily by the pulps and I think it was the color the movement and uh, the pure act of storytelling. And then on the other hand, as time went on and I, and I grew older, I began to want to write better than a lot of the pulp right. stories were written. There were certainly great writers that came out of the pulps, like Ray Bradbury, Tennessee Williams even. Sure. Yeah. Um, McKinley Cantor came out of that. I mean, there's just tons of people who wrote for the pulps. And a lot of people don't know that Hemingway tried to write for the pulps and failed. <laughs> And I think even one or two of the stories he tried to write still exist. His stories know? didn't move as quickly. You know? But but when I read Hemingway as a novelist and sure. short story writer and Fitzgerald, F. Scott Fitzgerald and Steinbeck and and then later Flannery O'Connor and Faulkner and all of these writers, it all blended with me so right. that I tried to write stories that had that pure, I guess what you would say, appeal of the pulps and of the genre of fiction uh, type of stories with the more well-developed well characters and style and uh, the two I think are a marvelous match and I, and I think just in the last few years you're starting to see that a lot of novelists and a lot of short story writers that are not necessarily uh, that didn't actually grow up on the pulp so much but have started using those elements a lot of literary writers have used crime and and science fiction and fantasy to tell their stories you know. Because they, um, like yourself, and like uh, we didn't really know 
the different genres and what was classic no, and what was literature. No, no, no. I, it I all read. came in, yeah, I just so read. it goes, and it comes parents, out My parents mixed. didn't divide it. I mean, I knew some that said, you know, you shouldn't read comics or you shouldn't read right. this kind of, this garbage or, or this. But for me, I was reading straight across the board with comics and genre and literary. I watched movies. Uh, there were there, When I was a kid, there were still a few radio shows. A lot of people oh, yeah. don't realize that they went on up into the early 60s. Wow. You know, like Suspense, I think The Shadow was around. Mm -hmm. And some of those, so I, I don't remember them well from that time, but I remember listening to them. Right. And then I remember later, and the soap operas uh, oh, uh, continued for a while. My mom listened to those. But then I remember later when I got the opportunity to, uh, you know, collect radio shows, I remember going, oh, yeah, I remember I, I have yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but yeah. The, the feel of all of that of storytelling was just in my blood. Yes. So that's what went in, right? That's what so, went in. So what is your, uh, your, your work um, uh, discipline? How do, you, how do you get it out, and has it changed over the years? Well, when I first started, I was just trying to – I had that stupid idea that people just worked when – when they had the muse, so to speak, and I realized that you are the muse. Right. So anytime you want to write, you're it. You've got to do and it. And tag, you're it. And uh, the thing is, is that I found too that the things you wrote on the days you felt really inspired were not necessarily better than the things you wrote on the days when you didn't. So it was a feeling of euphoria, but it didn't necessarily result in any, anything, <laughs> right anything right. any different. And uh, I think you get to where you've been doing it for a while. There's a level that you don't fall below. Right. Uh, and uh, I really got to the point now for the last 25 years, I work about three hours a day. I get up in the morning, I write three to five pages is my limit. That doesn't mean I can't write 10 or 15 if right. it's there, but I'm generally through then. And then wow. I don't think about it. I don't plot. I don't, I, I don't make uh, outlines. I go to bed, get up the next morning, start writing right. again. So um, discover as I go. I want to go two ways first. Mm -hmm. um, but sure, you do your three to five. Mm. But it's still in your head. Of course. Right. So, because the writing goes but, on but, even when you're not at the good. Yeah, it does. But I pretty much push. I, I'm very much a subconscious writer. Mm -hmm. I push it back so that it doesn't offend and my go, day. Go on with your life. Yeah, because <laughs> I don't. I don't. I love that. Doesn't offend my day. Yeah, because the rest of the time before I would be thinking about it so much. When I started, I realized I'm not enjoying where I am right now. Right. And I don't want to do that. And I studied martial arts for 55 years, and mm -hmm. so that taught me a lot about discipline and about compartmentalization. Okay. And so I'm very, very good at that. That doesn't mean that I'm, if I'm walking around and I see something that j jumps an idea that it, that it won't enter. It will. It's in there. And once in a while I'll be something obvious. I'll go, oh, okay, that would make a good story. But it's not like it was before in an obvious conscious way. It's mostly subconscious. And that subconscious just sucks it in. Yeah. And yet, my conscious mind can go on with my day. I can do other things. I, I also, you know, I, I still do martial arts, and and I I try to, um, uh, you know, do things related to film. And I work with my kids from time to time. They're both also do writing as well as other mm -hmm. things. And so for me, it's a better life that way. Oh yeah. And my wife and I get to go do stuff, and I'm not sitting there always thinking about a story. Right. It doesn't mean it goes absolutely away. But at least it's much more the, livable. And some part in the back yeah. is working right. while you're going Right, and I get the next morning, yeah. it's like the well filled up, and I'm ready to go. Boom. Now, do you do a lot of rewriting or no? I rewrite as I go mostly, but when I get through, I do a heavy polish. 
It's okay. not quite a rewrite because everything's pretty close. And then when you turn to the editor, if they have a suggestion that makes sense, you do it. Oh, if you don't, you don't do it. Right. So when you say you're on day two, do you look at day one stuff yeah. before you start? Yeah. And but then, when you get to about day 20, then to go back and reread that, you spend no. all your whole day. Just the day before. Yeah. Nothing the really. day before. And then when I get about halfway, I stop and start at the first and read it all the way, way through. through. And then I continue from there. When I finish that, I'll usually start where I left off in the middle and read it all the way through. And then I read the whole thing one more time. Right. And then, you know, as you do, if the editors, they send it to you, or even the proofreaders, I tend to reread as much of it as is humanly possible. Right. You know, there's a point when you gotta, you gotta know how to let it go too. Yeah, that takes a while. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, you said you, you discover as you go. So you don't know your endings. No. You know, once in a while, one will pop up and I'll go, okay, I'm writing toward that. But a lot of times, even when I do that, by the time I arrive there, it's not that. It's not that. Okay. Um, Happen Leonard seems to be uh, um, a well that has no bottom. I hope not. Right? It keeps going, and it's, yeah. it's such. It's fascinating to watch them grow together, and uh, you get you you almost and the readers get to that uh, level where um, it's like visiting old friends. Yeah. And that's really beautiful. That's stuff. really yeah. Um, do you have a look? I'm going to knock out uh, a Happen Leonard per year and some other thing, or is it? Is it just what what you know? It's just what comes to me. I mean, it's fantastic. not unusual for me to write uh, two and a half to three novels a year, right. or write a novel and a bunch of short stories, or articles, or screenplays, or teleplays, or comics. I mean, it just depends. You know, how is been, that on demand, or is the uh, all you go and then it's so. stuff I just want to do, and then sometimes people say, "Do you want to do this?" And if I do, I do it. And if I don't, I don't. Uh, I did things for Batman the Animated Series, and those scripts were just great fun. You okay. know, but it took me a week, and that was it. I was mm -hmm. done. And uh, comic great. books, I'd write one a week, and uh, the, back then they were paying quite a bit. Sure. So, but I just, you know, I'd have done it almost for free. I mean, right. I don't tell them. It. No, I don't tell them. <laughs> but I loved all that stuff. It, it when I wanted to, when I was four years old, and I discovered comics, I knew I wanted to be a writer. And when I was a little bit older, I, I knew I wanted to be a martial artist, and I got both things that I wanted most in life. And so I don't have gripes. I don't have this thing about someday I'm a gonna or, or that I'm bitter about that. I don't feel that way at all. I'm That's extremely it. happy with what I've done. And I'm a little bit unusual from a lot of other writers because I don't have that deep, you know, m bad mood or feeling of melancholy sadness, melancholy. I haven't got the whatever no. unknown filling the when I write yeah. I can dip into any well I need to right. because they're all part of you you know they're all part of you everything but is but my yeah. basic personality is a very positive one mm -hmm. and I'm very much a, a critic of things I'm skeptical of a lot of stuff but I'm not a cynic right yeah. So, but um, that's interesting because uh, that sounds a little bit more like Hap than it does Leonard. Yeah, I am like Hap. I'd yeah, say I'm, more, I'd more say Hap very, than Leonard. Yeah. So then when I'm, I'm ninety something percent Hap. Hap. Yeah. Uh, where's Where's Leonard come from? Leonard's got a little of me in him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, but he's also a number of other people I've known. He's more of a, a, a uh, combination. They're like okay. maybe a couple major people that affected it, and both black and white people have become my guy. Cool. You know. And because uh, he's he's a black guy, and, and that's why I say both black and white. Because I didn't I didn't worry about that. I borrowed from people that I thought had interesting aspects to their character. Uh, you know, uh, I felt like too the part of me goes into that. So I'm I'm partly him, but half in that case I'm like ninety percent. I believe that uh, I, we I mean, are I really did, part of every character. Right. Well, you are. Yeah. yeah. And and. Uh, but I think there are some characters that are closer to your heart or that closer to who you are. Mm -hmm. And he's sort of like me if I'd taken a few wrong turns. 
Okay, great. You know, I think that's it. <laughs> and of course, if I'd had a much more adventurous uh, life, sure, you know. Yeah. So um, obviously, people can pick up your stuff anywhere. Yeah, it's all over. But if they want to know uh, more about you, uh, do you do social media? Is I that... have a fan page on on Facebook. Okay. There's another page that seems to be attributed to me, but it's it's not. It's just some people, fans yeah, doing yeah, that. Yeah. But there's a, a fan page. That, that I answer everybody that I possibly can. I mm-hmm. can't always do it, but I right. manage to answer much of it. And I have a website, this joarlansdale.com. I'm on Twitter. Oh, you know, yeah. And I usually do both Twitter I, I, and Facebook every day when I'm traveling. I don't do Facebook at all. I just do the, the Twitter. How do you like Twitter? I, you know, I've always said this, and I mean it, is that I think that they are highly useful tools. Twitter has really actually increased my sales okay. tremendously, and Facebook helped quite a bit. But but the, if I had my choice, I wouldn't do any of them. Right. Because but uh, since they're here. Yeah, right. and I don't spend. I'm not somebody who spends hours on them. I'll go in and do 15, 20 minutes, and I can get more done than most people can in two or three hours. Now, are you more a dedicated. writer and poster as opposed to a reader and reactor? On Twitter? I, uh, a little both. A little both. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Cool. And you prefer Twitter to Facebook? Probably cool. it, just because it's short, but yeah. I think I like Facebook better in another way because I can actually, you know, spend more time dealing with people. Yeah, more like of a that. community. Yeah, more of a community. I, yeah. I find Twitter can can be uh, it can be wonderful, but be annoying, mm-hmm. and I, all of the other stuff that's going on, I try to just stay away from that. I don't always, right. but I try to keep it in uh, the area where we're talking about uh, my work or talking right. about work that's associated to it or films and things we like or whatever. Yeah. You know. Cool. So last question, what's coming up? What's on? What's coming up right now is Tara is Our Business is out, a book I wrote with my daughter, and it is really doing well. It's, cool. it's from uh, uh, Cutting Block Press, and I think they're also called Feral Light. I think that may be their, o- their overall umbrella. And that's out right now. And uh, Jack Rabbit Smile came out earlier this year, so that's the it's latest. A, it's Happen available. Leonard. Forthcoming, yes, Happen Leonard. Forthcoming is Driving to Geronimo's Grave, which is four, maybe it's five novellas. None are not ones like the other. They're all very different. And then next year I have The Elephant of Surprise, the new Happen Leonard. Oh, fantastic! And then I'm leaving Happen Leonard alone for a while, mm-hmm. going off into the the sticks to write other stuff. Uh, they keep whistling you back. Though. Yeah, they do. They, <laughs> they're very much a part of me, you know, and because I've had 11 novels and I've had uh, two major collections of short stories. There's been variations of those collections, right. but there's really two major collections and the 11 novels. And uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very happy with that. And I, I, I hope they keep talking to me, you know, well, that's one day they quit me one, one time for eight years, and and uh, then they quit for five years another wow. time. So. Well, as long as you forgive them and welcome yeah, them back. Yeah, and, and I had other people visiting, so I was oh, writing yes, other their stories. So thank you for your thank generous you. amount of time, and enjoy the rest of the uh, fest. I'm looking forward to your talking tonight. Thank you. All right, thank you. Mm-hmm. Appreciate Take it. Take care.